Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. We are in a series on bitterness, uncovering bitter roots. We're going to go back to our original text, and, and I think that by the time we're finished this series, you might have memorized Hebrews 12, 1 through 17. So let's re- read Hebrews 12, 1 through 17 together. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility of of sinners against himself, lest you become weary and faint or be discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. You have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect, shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For indeed, for a few days they chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. And and no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained By it. Therefore, strengthen your hands which hang down and and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that which is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. And pursue peace with all people in holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone should fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And, therefore, and, and by this many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or irreligious person, ungodly, profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, although he sought for it diligently with tears. That's a terrifying thing. You go too far. You become so bitter that you just gone, you just crossed the line. Where we've come thus far, I'm going to go through this quickly, Lord willing. First of all, bitterness brings darkness. We are called to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. We are called, we, listen now, church, we are the original influencers. 
right? We are the original. Forget the Kardashians, right? Forget who is a famous influencer besides them. I don't, I don't know. But we, we are the original influencers. I was watching a comedian the other day, and he was comparing influencers to people that actually have a real message. And he was saying, listen, man, when you're supporting this influencer who's jet-setting around the world, who's fake, who's all, about, who's all about self and all about money, you're revealing your heart. Stop preaching at everybody else when these people are your heroes. And I thought, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. I like that. But we are the original influencers. And what happens when bitterness creeps in, the light is dimmed. And our influence is darkened, and it's used by the enemy. Have you ever met someone, invite them to church, and they say something like this? I'm not going to church. There ain't nothing but hypocrites in churches. Why would I want to go to church? You ever heard something like that? Church is where the mean people are. How about that? Church is where the mean people are. What a travesty. Bitterness, self-righteousness, arrogance, all wrapped up to be a dark influence to the world. When we become bitter, it, it drags us down. It makes us angry, sad, despondent. And who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? Well, it's a darkness. It destroys our influence. He says, pursue peace and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You say you're a Christian, but you're wrapped up in bitterness. They're not seeing Jesus in you. You can give them as many tracts as you want. You can invite as many people to church as you want, but if there is bitterness in your soul, they're not seeing Jesus in you. He's veiled with your bitterness. Bitterness is a feeling of anger, resentment, caused particularly by perceived unfairness, suffering, adverse circumstances, synonyms for bitterness, resentful, embittered, aggrieved, dissatisfied, disgruntled, discontented, grudge-bearing, grudging, begrudging, indignant, rancorous, spiteful, ill-disposed, sullen, sour, churlish, morose, petulant, peevish. And I'm like, why is there, why is that my description? Well, it, it has been in the past. It's described me really well. Uh, when I was in my 20s working for uh, a solid surface countertop company, my, my buddy nicknamed me Irritable Eric. Well, that's not nice. But there was something, there was something wrong in my spirit. There's something wrong in my heart for that to be my nickname. Unless he was just joking, which he probably was. I could be very mean, though. The best way to deal with bitterness, guys, is to kill it before it starts. Kill it before it starts. How do we accomplish that? Well, he gives us the answer in the beginning of this passage. Look unto Jesus. That word look means to stare intently at Jesus without allowing distractions to pull you away from him. We look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and we realize as we look to him, his story should have made him bitter, right? We see betrayals, we see pain, we see suffering, 
we see that his own rejected him and received him not. Jesus had reason to be bitter, but he wasn't, was he? So when we look at Jesus, we see the great example, but we also just see Jesus. And when we begin to walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus every single day, whether we feel him or not, by faith we see him and we converse with him, he begins to consume our lives. Instead of the bitterness consuming us, he consumes us and we are becoming aware of those germs, of those seeds of bitterness that are trying to make their way into the soil of our hearts, killing it before it starts. Because when you're walking in the light of Jesus, Things that are trying to harm you, sins that are trying to get in, they are going to be illuminated by the light of Christ, and you have an opportunity to deal with them. Much better to deal with bitterness before it starts by looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Avoid it before it strikes. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Well, last week we looked at the story of a bitter woman, Naomi. She became so bitter that she changed her name to Mara. And if you know anyone named Mara, don't tell them that it means bitterness. It'll probably bring them down. Um, but the word Mara, she said, do not call me Naomi. Naomi meant pleasant. She said, call me Mara. And then she gave her reasoning. The Lord's hand has been against me. He has dealt bitterly with me. And she was in the game of judging God. She was in the game of judging God. She'd gone through tragedies, hardships, heartaches, enough to break any man or woman. And throughout that story, we saw Ruth coming into her life as her daughter-in-law and following her and, and coming to faith in Yahweh and, uh, and then being a blessing in her life to the point where Naomi was freed from her bitterness. If there's someone in your life warning you about bitterness, love them. They are a gift from God to you. If there's someone in your life extending you a tremendous amount of grace, even though you are Mr. or Mrs. Cranky Pants, love them. They are an agent of grace from God to you to help you find your way out of bitterness. Love them. Eventually, she found her way out of bitterness before she did. Before she did, she turned a young woman away from her God. She turned a young woman away from her God. Go back to your people. Go back to your gods. And this young woman did. It was her other daughter-in-law. We never hear from her again. Our influence is darkened. And the Bible says, many are defiled by our bitterness. Thank God Ruth was not the causes of bitterness. Today we're going to look at a story of a man named Simon. Uh, not Simon Peter, it's another Simon. In Acts chapter 8, verse number 9, And there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. This is Simon. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. 
Was it real sorcery? I don't know. It could have been um, some early scientific experiments that created colored clouds of smoke. It could have been other types of sleight of hand. Or he could have been in league with a fallen angel, an evil spirit, and been doing some fairly supernatural things. To the point that not only is the city that he's in, where Philip is bringing the gospel, not only did they believe him, not only did they call him a great man who had the power of God, but the whole country of Samaria. This was a man of renown. And what, listen, what happened now? But when the city, when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus, both men and women were baptized. Philip comes into the town. You want to talk about an influencer? Philip came into this city and influenced it. He influenced Samaria. And, and through his ministry to the Ethiopian eunuch, who was a treasurer of King, uh, Queen Candace, he influenced Ethiopia. Some historians trace back the Ethiopian Christianity to this treasurer, to Philip, the Coptic Christians in Ethiopia. This man was an influencer, Philip was. He preached the kingdom of God. He preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and people believed. And once they believed, they followed through in baptism, both men and women. Then Simon, the sorcerer, believed also. And, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip, and he was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which were done, which kind of leads me to think that he was fake, fraudulent. He's just amazed. And Simon himself also believed, and, and when he was baptized, he continued, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles which were done. So we're going to talk about Simon the sorcerer. Because in Simon the Sorcerer, we're going to see that something happened to him. And he was, he was caused to become bitter. As I mentioned, he was a man of renown. He was a man of great power and great influence with the people. Not just in the city where Philip preached, but, but all around the region. He, had, he was highly regarded and he had deceived, listen now, how many people did he deceive? Just one or two? How many people were deceived by this sleight of hand sorcerer? A city? A region? A country? Mass deception is real. He had this entire region under his thumb, under his influence. Christians, we need to be careful who influences us. Some people think that popularity rules. Popularity is not always right. In fact, Germany was wrong when the entire nation went along with the Holocaust. And there's been several other atrocities around the world where the majority rules. In fact, there's atrocities happening right now in Islamic countries 
where they are torturing Christians, beheading them on beaches. And that's the majority, the majority rules. Folks, majority doesn't always mean morality. Majority doesn't always equal right. And might does not always equal right. Here was a man, a man of renown, who had deceived the masses and had an incredible amount of power. This was Simon. He had power. Listen now. I don't care who you're thinking of, by the way. You may be thinking that I'm talking about the left. And some of y'all on the left may be thinking I'm talking about our former president. You just make up your own mind on who and what is influencing you and what cause it's influencing you toward. Because the main influence in our life should not be a president, politician, governor, or mayor. The main influence in our life ought to be Jesus and the absolute truth. The truth. Morality. This man, Simon, had neither, and yet he had the entire region essentially bowing to him. Those that were great, those that were small, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, were all giving heed to this man. I'll tell you today, that ought to make you a little bit uncomfortable. They were giving heed. And he was a charlatan. He was a fake. He was a fraud. He had very great power. The consensus was in. The consensus was in. Simon is a great man. We ought to listen to him. Do what he says. Don't you dare disagree. And popular opinion was very, very wrong. However, in Simon's time, in Simon's time, a great repentance was taking place. A real move of God was sweeping through Samaria. Philip arrived in this city and with Philip, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And he began to preach Christ crucified, risen again. And the people repented. And this gives us some insight to the sin of Simon's bitterness. He had had the people enthralled. He had power with men. He had influence with the nation. Samaria was his playground. And he was losing it to this upstart deacon, Philip. He wasn't even an apostle. He was just some deacon. Who does he think he is? The word dekanos means stirring up the dust, clean the tables, help the widows, and here he is preaching the gospel and turning the world upside down. And this beaming, bright light stepped into this city, and the dark influence of Simon was shattered by the light of Jesus. So he's watching all of this happen. He's losing his influence. He saw the writing on the wall. And he professed belief in the new guy, Jesus. Did he truly convert? I don't know. The Bible says he believed and was baptized. But did he truly trust in Jesus to be the Savior of his eternal soul, to be the Lord of his life? Did he truly repent? His actions might say otherwise, but I do know that believers can act pretty dumb. It's interesting that he attached himself to the hip of Philip. 
this man who was losing his power, what was the first thing he did? Oh, I believe in Jesus too. Baptize me, Philip. And the next thing you know, he's with Philip, like all the time. Right next to what? Right next to the new power. Right next to the new influencer. He saw the writing on the wall. He was attracted to the real power of God, by the way. You could see it. He saw the miracles, and he was just enthralled by the miracles. We go to chapter 8, verse 18. And when Simon saw, through the laying on of hands of the apostles, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. By the way, I'm going to chase a rabbit here. We're going to just go down the rabbit hole with Alice. This is really awesome. There's a lot of people in the world today that they just want to see miracles. They want to see, you know, the sun stand still. They want to see mountains flatten. They want to see the waters parted. They want to see the dead raised. They want to see people healed. And, and those, are, those can be wonderful things. But even Simon knew this. The filling or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit was far greater than any of those miracles could ever be. Sometimes we get caught up in the miracle and we miss the Holy Spirit. Well, he saw, man, this is, this is much better than raising the dead. I want this power. Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money? Well, isn't that religion today? Do good, give your money, maybe you'll get into heaven, maybe God will gift you with salvation. If you have to pay for a gift for yourself, is it a gift? God was very clear. He was, he was redundant in the book of Romans where he said it is a free gift. That's redundance because gifts are free. But I think God wanted to make sure we understood that salvation was not of works. It was by faith and grace that we received the gift of forgiveness of our sins, a home in heaven, and a relationship with God. He thought he was going to purchase this gift of giving the Holy Spirit with his, with his riches. And remember, this guy held sway in this entire region. How many of you think he was rich? How many of you think he walked up to Peter and said, listen, man, come over to my house. I have a whole room dedicated to my wealth. Would that be tempting? Would that be tempting? Come on, you guys. Somebody says, give me a million dollars. I'll give you a million dollars if you let me run the church. There's some people just like that. I'll give you a million dollars if you let me do this or let me do that. And, and what did Peter say? Your money perish with you. You thought the gift of God could be purchased with money? You have neither part in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Here it is. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness. This is a fairly new believer. <laughs> Boom! 
Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you, for I see you are poisoned by what? Bitterness and bound by iniquity. So let's take a look at Simon here. Simon answered and said, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Please pray for me. Pray for me that none of this happens to me. That's a paraphrase. You can read it. So the bitterness of Simon. The bitterness of Simon. Number one, what can we learn about Simon? First of all, we learn that bitterness is sin. Sometimes we look at ourselves and we think that bitterness happens to me. Bitterness happens to me. I didn't choose bitterness. Bitterness chose me. Uh, Bitterness is wickedness. This is what the Bible teaches. Bitterness is sin. So if you're sitting here this morning and there is a a bitter root in your heart, let me make sure that you haven't misheard me. You are in sin. You are in sin. Bitterness is sin. Sometimes we want to think it's not. Sometimes I said, like I said, we want to think it's a consequence. It's something that happened to us. We didn't choose it. Uh, if this didn't happen, we wouldn't feel this way. Bitterness is a sin. It's a dangerous sin, as we've seen with Naomi. A sin that can darken our influence and lead others away from Christ instead of to Him. So bitterness is not just a sin that affects you, it affects others. We'll be investigating that in a few weeks. It's also also a, a poison. It's a poison. You are poisoned by bitterness. It corrupts us from the inside out. The ideas of this man, Simon, were perverted. He had perverted ideas of God. He thought he could buy God's favor. Maybe you're here this morning and you think you're buying God's favor. You're being poisoned from the inside out. Your idea of God is perverted from who the true God is. And bitterness causes a schism between us and our God. It causes a schism between us and our God. What does he say to Simon early on? He said, You have neither part nor portion in this matter, For your heart is not right with God. I've been in ministry for a long time. I started in ministry when I was 17 years old here in this church. I served in Awana. I was a sparky leader. And then I was a sparky game director. And then I was a sparky director. That's children's ministry, K through second grade. I joined the choir before I could actually sing. It's amazing that they let me. Um, And I didn't join the choir because my heart was right, but I joined the choir because my babe was in the choir, and I felt like I should be too. 
began to direct the choir. Our choir director had left, and my father-in-law was tapped to replace him, and then they said, hey, Eric, do you want to take over the worship ministry? Oh, yeah, wow. And in my heart of heart, I knew all this was going to happen. I just had this spiritual knowledge that I would be leading the choir one day in the worship. And it was bizarre, and, and I didn't think it was even possible because our former director was amazing. Things fell apart. And next thing I know, I'm leading the choir, largest ministry in the church. Grew to 55 people, 57 people. Singing two cantatas, music, musicals a year. We just... It was wonderful. From there, asked to be a deacon. Failed the first time, passed the second. From there, answered the call to preach. And a year later, I was in full-time ministry, being trained and mentored and going through our Bible Institute. And I've seen through these years that most of the time, when I took leadership of a ministry, it was because it was offered to me. Now, there's nothing wrong with desiring the office of a bishop, the Bible says, because he who desires the office of a bishop, a pastor, desires a good thing. So there's nothing wrong with you desiring to be in ministry and even to, to lead ministries. There's something wrong when you want it to the detriment of the church, yourself, or others. There's something wrong with your desire when your desire to ministry uh, causes you to envy the people that are leading it. And I've seen so many believers trying to step into portions and parts that were not theirs. People that have gotten hurt and have become severely bitter. Because just like Simon, they didn't understand that it's God that calls and promotes. And you can desire something, but it has to be God that calls and promotes you to that place. He wanted to step into the shoes of an apostle. Can you imagine that? I mean, that's some guts. One thing to step into Philip's shoes, but to step into the shoes of an apostle, the men that walked with Christ were trained personally for three years with Jesus that watched him be crucified, that experienced personally his resurrection. He wants to have what they have. He didn't get it. He was already bitter when this happened. Bitterness is, is no joking matter. It's no joking matter. It is so severe that Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, gives us this amazing, amazing warning to look out for that root. It is so, so destructive. So we see that bitterness is poison and it hurts us from the inside out. We see that bitterness is sin and we see that bitterness causes a schism between us and God, a division between us and God. And listen, I, I want to I honestly like preach this series for the next six months. And some of you might be irritated by that. Some of you might be irritated by Folks, it's, it's a sin that goes unnoticed. It's a sin that goes unnoticed, and, and we wonder, where's our power with God? There's some people in our church that are still bitter 
from a dozen years ago, from 15 years ago, from two decades ago, carrying bitterness in our hearts. You want to talk about anemia in the, in the Christian walk. Bitterness is a poison. And that poison separates you from God. Your fellowship, it's broken. It needs to be healed. What led Simon to bitterness, do you think? Maybe this will help you to find the cause of your own bitterness. In Simon's case, I believe that his loss of acclaim led to his bitterness. Simon was the man. All of a sudden, there was a new man in town. He was the guy. And all of that vanished when Jesus walked on the scene. He was becoming less than what he thought he was. His identity, apparently his worth, was wrapped up in his power and influence and position. And when that waned, bitterness began to creep in. He became, I believe, so desperate for the power he once held that he offered to pay for the ability to have influence once again. And bitterness had its roots deep, deep into his soul. When Simon asked Peter to give him the gift of laying hands on people so they would receive the Holy Spirit. Do you feel the same thing I feel when you read Peter's response to him? You think Peter was like, oh, it's not for you. That's not for you. Or do you think Peter was a little, a little angry, a little upset? Peter saw things that were under the surface. He saw the roots. He saw the pride. The wounded pride of Simon wanting to get his power back. Simon didn't just want to lay hands on people so they would receive the Holy Spirit because he was a kind and loving person that knew that that was so vital for their Christian walk. Simon wanted the power to lay hands on people so people could see him. So he could be the power again. He was filled with bitterness. He was filled with bitterness. And so what do we do? This is sad. Repent. There is hope. Oh, so many times we look at this word repentance and we think it's a drag. We think repentance is scary. Maybe you're used to the old television preachers, repent, fire and brimstone. Well, there's that, but it's a beautiful gift from God, this gift of repentance. The ability to see that you're wrong and to turn from that to Christ is a gift from God. When Peter looked at Simon and says, you have no part of this, what are you thinking? 
Oh, I know what you're thinking. Your heart is full of bitterness and poison and wickedness. You think you can buy God? Man, you better repent. You need to repent. God can't be bought. Your power and your influence are irrelevant. It's about Jesus. We don't want your dark influence back in this town. Well, there's hope. The hope of defeating bitterness is dealing with reality. <laughs> dealing with reality. What? Who wants to deal with reality? Anybody? Raise your hand. I want to deal with reality today. Like when your reality is Naomi's reality. My husband died. I went through a famine. My two sons died. I'm left with two daughters-in-law. And now i got to take care of them. How am I going to take care of them? That's pretty rough. We uh, need to deal with reality. Sticking our, hand, our heads in the sand and ignoring the cause of our bitterness will not make your bitterness go away. Sticking your head in the sand, ignoring the cause of your bitterness, will not make it go away. We need to dig it out. We need to repent. Let God reveal to you the root of bitterness in your heart. And then listen, here's the deal. Whether you feel like it or not, time to do a series on emotions again. Whether y'all feel like it or not, turn from it and agree with God. You don't have to feel like it. Anybody feel like getting up every single morning and going to work? Anybody feel like getting up every morning and going to school? You do it anyways. It doesn't matter what you feel. What matters is what's right. This is one of the best revelations that I received when I went away for counseling. So many times we tie our spiritual walk to our emotions. Well, when I feel sorry enough, when I feel guilty enough, when I feel this, then I'll repent. But I still feel it right now. So it's it's be a lie if I repent because I don't feel like letting go of this root. Your feelings are liars. It doesn't matter whether you feel like letting go of it or not. Let go of it. Say, Lord, I, I come to you and I agree with you that I have been bitter in this area. This has caused my bitterness, God, and I ask that you would forgive me of that sin and help me to recover from this area of bitterness. Repent. Repentance is hope. It's hope. As I said, it sounds like a scary word. It means to turn your mind. Simon had to change his mind, his thinking from where he got his satisfaction and his worth from. Simon had to change his mind and his thinking from where his identity resided. Some of y'all need to change your thinking. It's not about your position. It's not about your power. It's not about your job. It's not about your education. It's not about how successful you are in the business world or not. It's about Jesus and the fact that if you have come to Christ for him to be your personal savior... You are a kid of the king. You're a child of the king. You are a treasure to him. 
You are worth dying on the cross. Some of you struggle with depression. Let me tell you right now, you are loved and you are a treasure. Whether you feel it or feel like you deserve it or not. And you all need to start preaching to yourselves the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for my sins, for me personally, and he loves me, and he likes me. He wants to hang out with me. Repent. There's hope. There's hope. Oh, man. Jesus came to save us from the punishment and deliver us from the power of sin. Simon may, need, they may have needed to repent of pride for losing his influence over others. He may have had to repent of a true lack of trust in Jesus and in the goodness of God. And so if I could have all heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment or two, look into your own heart. Are there roots of bitterness there? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I feel as though people get nervous about admitting that they're wrong. So maybe I should ask you to raise your hand. <laughs> it's a great step. Between you and God, though, have you been harboring bitterness in your heart? Do you see resentment? Do you see that you're cranky most of the time? People keep you at an arm's length. Gonna walk on eggshells. We've talked about some of these things in the last few weeks. Where where do we begin? We begin with repentance. Lord, I I I see these things in myself, and I agree with you that it is sin. I've been making excuses for myself, Lord, but I can't do that anymore. I know that I'm hurting myself, and I know that I'm hurting those that are around me. Right now, Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me and to help me dig up these roots. I repent. Oh, oh God, don't give up on me. Don't give up on me. Remember what Simon prayed. Oh, Peter, pray that these things don't happen to me. Lord, please, cleanse my heart, cleanse my soul, cleanse my mind, wash me, and I'll be clean. Wash me with the water of your word. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you've never had a time in your life where you recognize that Jesus is the Son of the living God. That He is God come on earth to be with man and that He walked this earth for some 33 years and died on the cross. And He died on the cross to take the penalty for your sin and mine and to take the power from sin in you and me. And finally one day to deliver us from the presence of sin when we finally meet him face to face in our resurrected bodies. Do you believe that today? If, if you've not had that time in your life that you recognize I'm a sinner by birth and a sinner by choice, and man, I can't fix myself. I've tried and I've failed, and I recognize that Jesus is the only one that can deliver me. I've been trying like Simon to, to buy the favor of God with good deeds and good works and being moral and giving money to charity and giving money to the church. I've been trying to earn God's favor but I know I can't now. It's an insult to Jesus for us to try to earn what he has freely given us. 
It's a slap in the face of Christ that we think we could possibly earn forgiveness of our sin and a relationship with the Father. If you need Jesus this morning to be your personal Savior, would you pray with me right now? Trust in Jesus from your heart to His. The words I use are not magic words. They're just guides along the way. Lord God, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me and make me your child. I believe Jesus died on the cross for the sin of the world, including mine, past, present, and future. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead so that I could have a new life, so that I become your child. Jesus, I am calling upon your name to forgive me of my sin and to make me a child of your Father. And I want to thank you so much for keeping your promise and for not giving up on me all these years and to giving me this opportunity to become part of your family. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Christian, I'm going to address this one more time. Jesus is the greatest blessing that you will ever receive. We kind of need to get back to that, don't we? The simplicity of the person of Jesus in our lives. Instead of being like Simon and trying to draw satisfaction from the world and from possessions and from wealth and from social interactions, uh, we need to draw our satisfaction, our contentment from Jesus himself. In order to do that, we need a relationship to be developing, to grow. That means we've got to put a little work into our relationship with Jesus. We need to consider his words. We need to consider him. We need to think about him more than once a week. Talk to him as we go about our daily lives. Allow him to illuminate areas in our lives that are not in alignment with his. And so, Lord, I pray for those that are here this morning, those that have trusted you as their personal Savior, Jesus. I thank you so much for them. For those who are Christians and are struggling in this area of bitterness, I pray that you would shine your light upon their life and help them to repent, to break free of these chains of bitterness and to recognize that it is sin and whether we feel like it or not we ought to be turning back to you and asking you for help to defeat it and forgiveness of it and I pray that each one here who struggles with that Lord I pray that you would fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit enable them to walk in newness of life in the name of Jesus we pray hey all thanks for listening to this podcast like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.